Have you no hope at all? And do you really live with the thought that when you die, you die and nothing remains? The Sad Boys Book Club. Mom on died today. Did you read me like that? Or yesterday, maybe. Standing on the beach with a book in my hand. Magic 8 Ball Merceau says, I don't think so. I'm alive, of course, but I'm also dead. I'm the stranger, doing a podcast. Bang, 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 bang. What? I said bang five times. Like an echo. Bang, 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 bang. Are you, are you, are you trying to reconstruct a crime scene or something? I'm a gun. You're the gun. I'm a gun. When I was a kid, I was. I, I always said, when I grow up, I want to be a gun. What kind of uh, low caliber amateur hour is is this? You gotta you gotta bring a little heat to it. You gotta bring a little bit of like, you know, a little bit, you know, bang. What what's that? Come on, try it again. Try it again. Bang 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 bang. Okay, I, I'm going to I'm going to honor your your um, your intent to to improve that. Yeah, so so thank you for that. But <laughs> welcome to the uh, Sad Boys Book Club. I am Daniel, and I'm the stranger killing an Arab. Oh, that that that. So you so you ended up listening to uh, the, uh, the the Cure song after all. I did, yes. Actually, like like five minutes ago. Oh, I I actually really I like I said at the end of the last one. I I, I always thought that it was it was pretty cool. It's like the the concept of um, of doing and uh, I don't know. It's it, you know the, the, how they have like movie adaptations of books. It, it was kind of like a a song adaptation of. I don't know. I just thought it, I've always thought that was really cool. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this. I probably did mention this last time, but I, when I was really getting into the Cure, um, when I was you know in, in like high school and early college, uh, I that I listened. I was listening to some of their stuff, and when I heard that, that was that was really kind of the impetus for checking out this book the first time around. Were you also at that time writing a, a song about your fiance? but didn't finish it before she left you standing at the, the wedding altar, so you finished the song in a different tone? Um, actually, uh, you know, I, I don't really like to talk about this much. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a difficult subject. Um, but no, 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 no I, I, I didn't. Uh, that, that, was not, that was not me. So, anyways, the stranger part two, um, and the 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 end of the stranger, since this is a very very short novella of sorts, um, boy, uh, I I have some thoughts about this, and uh, I this this is such a weird weird book, to say the least. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I was I was really kind of uh. What's the word I'm looking for? I was kind of... I don't want to say hard on part one, but I, I didn't really love it. 
I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. It just kind of felt... It felt like a mix of just mundanity and lethargy. Like, I just kind of was, like, in this... It's like I was reading Molasses, to put it one way. And it's... It's not so much to say that it was bad, but it just kind of felt weird. Like, I was just reading some dude's diary who had nothing interesting to say. And I think that was the point. I, I think I think a lot of... Having the context of Part 2, I think the mundanity and the sociopathic, in a sense, emotionlessness of Mersol is kind of the point that, that you need, the, the context that you need to really understand why Part 2 goes the way it does. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that suddenly I feel enlightened and Part 1 is this master class of storytelling. I, I don't feel like I've suddenly changed my, my view on it. I do still think that it is, it is a very mundane uh, part to read. And it, it, it didn't feel like a slog. I should say it did not feel like a slog. I'm not sitting there being like, this book sucks, because it doesn't. But I understand Part 1 a little better now, having read Part 2. Yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I I felt that way too uh, during my initial read, and because and I, I just kind of had that since I had that in the back of my mind as as I was reading this uh, second time around, um, I I kind of knew that um, some of the things, even though they seem kind of mundane, they are important to kind of really set up the character of of Mersault. Yeah, my my biggest takeaway though. From uh, so when, when does this, when does this book take place? It's it probably took place around the time it was written. So um, so it was it took place during the uh, the uh, occupied uh, Nazi occupied era of of uh, of France. So in the in the early forties. I but I, I never got any sense of German influence over 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 Paris. Well, this book doesn't take place in Paris. It takes place in... It's in Algiers, um, right? Yeah, it's, it takes place in the French colony of Algeria. So was there no, like... I, I'm sorry, I'm not, like, super, super well-versed with a lot of uh, how the German occupation of France went. Did that not really affect Algeria very much? At least not to the extent that I would be seeing it in this book. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it did affect it in a lot of ways, but I mean, I think it doesn't for the for the purposes of of the book itself. I don't think it's gonna really like majorly change too much, you know. Okay. Because a lot of the things, like like one of the things I I, I kind of want to to talk about, um, and and we we can circle back, but just just like like it, it's not necessarily the um, the occupation. That's going to make the court, um, you know. So, so the, the the case of the, the the facts of the case are essentially, um, as as you'll see during the trial, are essentially a non-issue. Um, as is the essentially the victim of the case um, is basically, uh, as you'll see when we cover that part, essentially just a non-issue. They they don't really even talk about the victim or the crime even. So so. But that's that's I feel like that's more um, so. But 
since since it was a, a French colony, right? And so since the the French had already had this sort of colonial like superiority mindset over the the you know the the native colonized um, you know Arab peoples, that's that's not going to change, right? It's it's they they already had that pre existing um, uh, the the sort of superiority and they, they don't really they're not seeing them as people as equals you know yeah so I, that's that's the the nazis are going to make them more racist against arabs and whatnot yeah and i i feel like my 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 biggest takeaway from from part two is i don't know if i should extend this to to the french as a whole or keep it purely confined to algeria but their justice system sucks and is stupid. Well, I mean, I, I would say it's probably French because it's, it's not the, the Algerian people, you know, that are that are running the things. It's it's the you know it's the French that are that were in control at the time. Yeah, like I think I think we can safely say, knowing the context that we know, since we are witnessing everything through the perspective of of Marceau himself. I think we can safely say he is guilty of, at the very least, was it second degree murder? Um, sure. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a, a legal scholar when it comes to, you know, the the various crimes. But is second degree murder when you you is it like um you, it's not it's murder but not premeditated? Yeah. Sec- uh, I I just I I need I, I needed a refresher here, so I just uh, googled it. It says second degree murder is defined as an intentional killing that was not premeditated. Yeah, yeah, I think I I mean personally I would say yes to that. Um and that's and and again we'll circle back to that, but the 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 French uh the or not the French necessarily, but the court the court um uh imputes a sort of premeditation to him, but I don't think a, a reading of the text um, either in the most um, the most generous to to Mersault, nor like you know if it, the the text does not support it is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like with the text itself, we are given about as much of the facts as we could. So we're we're given a little more context, a little more idea of what happened more than any person in a jury would, just by proxy of us being the reader. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think I could safely feel like I could, I could rule him guilty of second-degree murder because of that, but, oh my god, I, I'm sure we'll, we can talk about this more in a minute with the trial itself, but I I was so frustrated with the prosecutor in this in this trial. Like, we can go more into it in a bit, but... I hate it. I, I, I was so pissed off reading how, how this trial went. And it wasn't because I'm sitting here thinking, oh, Marceau's innocent. He should be let go because he's an innocent man who was just defending himself from the Arab that he walked up to. He pulled the gun on and he instigated the action. In. But, like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I wanted him to be sentenced, to be found guilty and have a sentence appropriate for his crime. And instead we got... I feel like to call it a kangaroo court would have been really downplaying how ridiculous this trial was. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair to say. And I think that is uh, a large part of the intent of, of Kemu here. 
Yeah, and as I understand it, my takeaway from this novel is, and I think it having its initial English release being called The Outsider in in the original Mm -hmm. translations, uh, I I think also does not necessarily maybe have a little more of a fitting uh, epitaph to this than The Stranger would, but I think it it fits in in a different way with how the I my takeaway from this is Marceau is someone who can be seen as an outsider to society because of because of the fact that he didn't cry at his mom's funeral and that's really it it seems and so fuck it kill him and I just it just it feels like it feels like a um a rejection of non-normal from society if if that makes sense yeah i think i i think you're you're that's spot on i think that's what um what um camus is trying to say with with all of this it's it's um it's 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 not the crime it's 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 the perception it's how how society um you know irrespective of the facts you know how, how society um like you're you're following the norms or not following the norms is what condemns you. Yeah, and I I don't know maybe this is just me having the context of living in quote unquote the modern age, uh, living in insert year here, and so my my idea of social politics is a bit different than how people would have seen it eighty years ago, but like. I'd have to think that there had to exist at least some group of people that had some sense of a higher morality to think that he's not just some monstrous killer who's just waiting to go on another killing spree and murder your child or your wife or or your dog because he had the audacity not to show emotion at a funeral. It's It's just... I I I wonder I I don't know for certain, but I wonder if part of the intent from Camus was satire, or not necessarily satire, but like dark humor. Uh, I I think, I mean I don't I don't know for sure. I mean obviously, um, obviously look. So obviously courts are 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 very subjective things. We like to pretend societally that that they are these. Um, true arbiters of truth and like and logic and you know rationality and i think i think that's something that society writ large has has probably convinced itself of since basically since there's been court certainly in the in the modern era i'm sure that was a that was you know if you were to like really like pro you know courts and in the legal system working in the legal system what they would say or something some variation thereof it kind of makes me not ever want to be in a situation where i'm being judged by a uh a jury of my peers because man if all it takes is just one passionate prosecutor to really just throw the facts out the window and just finger point at me to to sway them that way i i don't want to trust in that system which I, I realize this is this is basically an anecdotal thing, 
but still, it just kind of it kind of throws a suspicion in the, into the into the system as a whole. I think I think there well, there, there's two two things I want to touch on here really quickly. One, um, I would like to see uh, like conviction rates and uh, sentencing. You know, how, see how that how that's adjusted for like trials that are adjudicated by uh, juries and and by people that 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 just uh, that are just the people that are just tried by the judge. I'd like to. I'd be curious to see what the different rates are and like the different like average um, like uh, punishments for crimes are. I think I think there there's there could be something to what you're saying. It'd be kind of interesting uh, to. I think that'd be an interesting question to explore. Uh, secondly, I think that I don't I don't know this for sure, but like I feel like there's also this element of. Yes, the, the, the court does exist, you know, because the idea of the, the, the trial by your peers and, and all that, I think that makes it a good potential metaphor for society as a whole. You know, it's, I, I yes, in the purposes of this narrative, they are a court. And yes, um, courts probably can be and have been swayed by um, specious arguments by, by prosecutors. I'm, I'm certain of that. Um, but... I think I think part of what Kemu is getting at here is this sort of in, in in addition to perhaps a critique of the legal system is it's it's a, a critique of society it's society will condemn you um, you know based on whether or not you know you are falling into their their perceived norms you know yeah uh, as as part two opens up. Uh, we see Mersault has been uh, arrested. Um, he's he's uh, been taken to prison, and that that's that's where that's where he's uh, that's where he had to start it. Um, a lot of the time, at least at this this point, um, you know, he he talks to. Let's see his, I think I think he's he's approached, and I think there's some some guys that you know. No, it's not some guys. It's his lawyer, right? He talks to his lawyer, and he's he was at the, his lawyer is asking him uh, whether or not he was you know he was sad when his mother uh, had her funeral, and uh, Mersault is basically just you know he's he's he does his usual thing where he's like, well, I don't I don't uh, analyze myself. Uh, I probably did love my mother, but that doesn't really mean anything, and. Um, so, needless to say, even even the lawyer, even the guy that's supposed to be on his side, um, is is already a little bit like, uh, yeah, he's already a little bit disgusted with him. So so that that's kind of the beginning of this thing that we that we will see to kind of take us through the end. Um, the next at the next point, um, I think. See that that's when he went to go talk to the magistrate, right? Um, I I think that was that was that was after the meeting with his lawyer. He goes to the magistrate a couple times after that. Yeah, that that's true. The, the one thing that um I'll probably kind of gloss over a little bit here, um, but uh, probably should be noted is this idea that um during this time, it's it's not just like each chapter is a day 
or parts of a day. Like this is a, peer, a you know a process that drags out over the case of uh, the 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 whole investigation and, and trial. It seems like it's portion. the better part of two years. I know at one point he references eleven months, but I bet I bet there's probably. But you know, if I were to look at other parts, you're, you're probably right that that was a gap of eleven months, and then there's other several other uh, months or months long span uh, besides. So my understanding of it is the investigation portion was the first eleven months, and then after that was when he was taken to prison awaiting the trial after the investigation, and then he says that um, it had become summer again, and like his trial was going to be in like June or something. Mm-hmm. So my understanding of that was there was the initial 11 months and then he was put into prison and then we come back around to summer again because this all happened in summer. So it's been my understanding is it's been almost if not 2 years at this point. Mm. Okay. And then and then I think there's a couple months after the trial. Yeah. If I if I remember correctly. Yeah, while he's waiting. Yeah. Um Okay, so he's talking to the magistrate, and then this 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 sort of central question, you know, reemerges. This idea of did you love your mother? You know, and and then he, you know, he he's he gives his, you know, I love my mother as much as anyone does. You know, that that kind of thing. Um, the magistrate, you know, also asks him why he, uh, you know, and this is this is potentially to. To figure out like what kind of charges they're gonna put on him, uh, you know, why did he pause between the first shot and the and his subsequent uh, four shots? Um, and then he he really seems to, to harp on that detail, and I think I think that's the I don't think Mersault quite picks up on why, and I, I as the reader didn't really either, but I think that's. Um, I think that's why, if, if, if I had to put a put a chip down somewhere. And then, then there was this really strange interlude where um, the magistrate uh, finds this little crucifix, and and uh, he's he's kind of waving it around, and he's asking Mersault if he believes in God, and um, Mersault says no. Um, this is the wrong thing from from the perspective of the uh, magistrate to say um, because he that this this is something that um, sort of affronts him uh, quite a bit and I think you know it does kind of go late towards later to in how they um, how he is judged later um, and so you know the magistrate talks about how his faith um, you know is important how important it is to him and how uh, essentially, his life would be meaningless if he doubted the existence of God. And then he he tells Mersault that he has, um, how did he put it, a, a, a hardened soul, impossibly hardened soul, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's so that that's kind of that's another part. Like when they when they go when this goes to trial, is they they talk about how he's, you know. They go on and on about how how incredibly, you know, um, evil and and uh, destroy the you know destructive he is, and how they they say he has no soul and all that stuff. That's that's one of the things that they. That's kind of like the genesis of how this will 
of how that kind of idea reemerges uh, later on. Um, so then, I think we we see uh, uh, Mersault. Is he? Uh, the, what what what? You, I'm trying to remember how how chapter two begins again. Chapter I think it's two. when he's in his. Um, I think he. You know what? I think I said something incorrect. I think the first chapter of part two. I don't know if he was in jail yet. Uh, chapter one was during the investigation. I think he was being held. As I understand it, he was being held in jail, and then chapter two is when he gets taken to prison. Okay, I think I think that's right. Because he says every time after the after he would talk with the magistrate, he'd be handed back over to the police. Okay, that that must be where what it is because oh that that's right because he I remember in chapter one he also you know that he was asked you know what the the old what are you in for um, by some uh, Arab inmates and then he says oh i killed an arab <laughs> and then that, that 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 caused them to be to be a bit more circumspect of him as a person yeah I, uh, very I understandably how, so i love how they're just like all joking and giving him shit and they're like oh hey what are you in for he's like killing an arab and they're like uh here's how you use your bed sir <laughs> yeah it was uh it was, it's pretty um so the so the next the next part chapter two um he's in he's in prison um Actually, you know what? I, I, I'm looking at the book right now. Um, yeah, he said that uh, I was I was put in a room. They were full of several other prisoners, most of them Arabs. They laughed when they saw me. When they asked me what I was in for, I said I killed an Arab, and they were all silent. That's that's I so okay. I for some reason I thought that was in chapter one. I thought that was the beginning of chapter one. Oh well. Anyway, <clears throat> so so the. the the, the the main point of this is that th- this is when he has um his uh his visitations right so more like visitation he only gets the one uh, that's true it's it's just marie and not i for, doesn't he talk to his his lawyer i mean that's maybe not the same it's not a visitation i guess but yeah he meets with marie marie the one time and man i i don't ever want to be in that situation how he describes how visitation works because that sounds awful yeah yeah he it's it's kind of um it's it's pretty bad uh, marie comes to visit him um she's telling him you know that you know she's she's trying to keep up a an optimistic positive face she's telling him that you know he's going to be acquitted that they're going to be married uh, they can do, th- you know, they can do those things that he likes to do, like going swimming and and, and all that stuff. She's trying to essentially trying to lift his spirits. <clears throat> I can just imagine. Uh, She's like, we can do all the things you like, like swimming. <laughs> that's pretty much. That's basically what it is, because I mean, that was basically what their relationship was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um. So, but during this case, uh, yeah, or during during this um. During the visitation, like Dusty was saying, there's there's a lot going on. It's very hectic. You know, people are experiencing a lot of extreme emotion. There's there's this guy sitting beside him that's you know obviously experiencing an emotion, a bit of an emotional um, breakdown. Um, it's it's really chaotic. It's it's really hard, and I I, I imagine that it's probably pretty much still what it's like. Um, it's it's just it's just a bad situation all around. Um, but, uh, 
Anyway, she she leaves, and um, I think, as you point out, that was the only time uh, she was able to visit him because they were not actually married at the time of his arrest, so uh, she was told that she could not uh, visit him anymore. And we also see Mersault is kind of struggling to, uh, I guess, become okay or just to... Ha- no... What am I trying to say? Mersault is he's 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 in jail and it's it's difficult for him because he he misses his old life. Um you know, he thinks about, you know, wanting to swim, wanting to smoke cigarettes, you know, wanting to, you know, have sex with Marie, that kind of that, that kind of stuff. That's that's kind of that's kind of weighing on him a lot at first. Because that's that's kind of the way that he we kind of have understood his character to this point also is like he is he doesn't necessarily have too much of an interior life so it's his his being imprisoned at least at this point is not really impacting him psychologically it's just so much the idea that I can't do these other things the other things that make me me from his perspective um. He and he he does like this. I I remember he also um, they talk about how he passes the time and he says things like, "Oh, I I and this is I found this very funny. Like this idea of him imagining his old apartment. Yeah, that was you know, weird. Just, that was a very Mersault, um I reaction to being in jail. I would say. Yeah, um, it was very strange. Just him being like, "Well, I guess I'll just imagine walking around my apartment." <laughs> I you know now that I think about it I guess I guess it, you you could do way worse I mean there's there's probably it probably is comforting you know the idea of like a, of a time and place where you you weren't imprisoned so I, I guess I could see that um, but it is it does sound very strange in the abstract and then he uh, then there's this little interlude where he he has this little um, Story. He reads the story in, from a newspaper, where a uh, a Czechoslovakian man, um, he was he leaves his hometown where he was born, and he goes to to seek his fortune, right? And he leaves his mother and his sister behind. And they they run this local uh, inn in the village, where he's from. <clears throat> and uh, he gets this idea where he's going to. He's going to to come back, and and show you know his and it's been it's been many years and he's going to show his mother and his sister that he's made it big and he's you know he's he's become a wealthy man, so he gets this idea and he goes to the he he returns to his village that he comes from, and he goes to check in and stays at the inn. Um, his mother and his sister somehow don't recognize him, so. So he just he decides to kind of to kind of roll with this, and he become he does some very like ostent ostentatious kind of like displays of his wealth and that kind of thing, and this kind of um, this kind of triggers something in the mother and his, and the, his sister, and uh, the that that night after he like goes to bed they break into his room and they they. They kill him and they rob him. Um, 
then later on his his wife comes along because I think I think his the idea was he was supposed to go first and then his wife would follow along after he's you know you know established himself and they're they're uh, you know everything's all all good um, so the, his wife comes along and then she she reveals to the mother and sister who he was I don't think she knows that they killed him um, at which point. Um, his mother and sister, they realize what they've done, and then they, they kill themselves. Um, Mersault, uh, he, he basically says something to the effect of, uh, this, I must have read that story a thousand times. <clears throat> On the one hand, it wasn't very likely. On the other, it was perfectly natural. Anyway, I thought the Traveler pretty much deserved what he got, and you should never play games. So... There's, there's some, there, so that's kind of interesting. It's like this idea that he's, and I, I tend to agree with Mersault's, uh characterization that it's, it's not like super likely, um, but it's, it, it, it's, it kind of serves more as a parable and as a way to uh, understand. I, I would say, like, from from a, a literary perspective, it, it was Camus, you know. You know, maybe a comment, a little bit of a commentary on, especially well, not especially, sensationalistic media has always been a thing, um, but the the sensa the, the sort of sensationalistic media, that the the idea of stories that that are that can be published in in news media that, if you really give them a lot of thought, they there's basically no way they could be transpired as that events could have transpired, as presented. Or perhaps even transpired at all, you know that kind of that kind of idea. And it also kind of gives you like this idea of Mersault's very, um, I, I would say, bracingly, bracingly, and perhaps um, aggressively honest worldview, right? So he's he says that uh, you know when he says the traveler pretty much deserved what he got and you should never play games that's that's something that we see from Mersault pretty much um he's he's almost um honest to a fault you know like he will he will even when it does not benefit as as he does you know as we see when he's being questioned about his you know do you believe in god uh, did you cry at your mother's funeral things that it would be advantageous for him to represent himself in a in a in a in a way that it is does not is not authentic he is uh unable to do so because he is just kind of like he's unflinching he's like the 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 seemingly the um dishonesty is not really it, it just does not come he's just not a dishonest person that that's one of the reasons why i think you can to kind of go back circle back to something dusty mentioned earlier we can we can pretty fairly conclude that this this is a you know a second degree murder situation because he is just his character is that he doesn't really he he doesn't lie even when it would benefit him to do so yeah it it definitely i I think part of it is i don't would you this could be my 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 ignorance towards certain types of mental health showing but would you say that Marcel is at least in some way on the spectrum. Um, you know, I think I think that's something that I've kind of 
I, I thought a little bit about it, and I, that was something I remember thinking about when we were getting ready when I was getting ready to do the uh, initial um, our initial episode um, at least when I was reading those early chapters I think I think there's there is a good there's a good argument to be made um, I know this is some, the, there's something um, I don't know like that like the way he may struggle with certain social cues um, you know like like we see at the in in the first um, the first part of the book that I think there is a I don't know that um, Camus knew what I mean I I don't know what the state of mental health research and all of that kind of uh, like psychology and all how the state of that research was and I don't know if Camus knew those things but there is a I think a, an interesting uh, case to be made that that he does have some sort of or he is some he is on the spectrum in some way yeah because I I do feel like there is a lack of of social interaction and maybe a bit of social etiquette with him that uh, I guess it it definitely we definitely would say that it creates a lot of the issues that he faces in his trial and I think that you can look at the the stigma toward him for that as I don't know maybe this is me maybe this is me extrapolating or, or insinuating too much but maybe looking at it as also, and maybe this is also me looking at this with a modern context, and this may not be what Camus was going for, but looking at it also as a stigma toward mental health. Um, I mean, I think I think that that could, even if Camus didn't literally think this idea of like I am writing this because people that are on the spectrum are being discriminated against or people that are suffer from mental health difficulties are being discriminated against, which, um, contemporaneously, yes, they, they definitely were. Um, especially, you know, particularly by, um, by the Nazis. Um, but the, uh, this, I, but I think, I think that that is true just in general. And I think, I think that that is part of, his broader critique is like this the idea of people that do not fall within societal certain societal norms and expectations are basically condemned to be um you know or basically condemned that's i think that it, that does fit even if he didn't ha have the words for it exactly um that does fit within his broader point and i think it is part of the broader point that he's making so now we have Merceau's trial, and as as I've alluded to earlier, it's it's such a mess, man. That this prosecutor is, oh, I hate him. So, to to do a brief summation, uh, before diving deep into it, basically, Merceau is sentenced to death because of his actions at his mother's funeral, not because of his actions towards the Arab. And I am just baffled by it. Yeah, like, the, I, I cannot stress enough how little, like, the actual facts of the case seem to be part of the prosecution's case against Merceau or, or just are even discussed whatsoever. 
Yeah, like, it, it always keeps looping back to his mother. And it's, I understand that part of the prosecution's ploy, and I, I imagine this would be used in, in any case like this, even today, part of the ploy is to set up a, a character file, so to say, for the jury to say, well, if, if he act this way in this situation, then you can see how emotionless and how psychotic or cold or inhuman he was towards this murder. But, like, I, I, like I said, I can understand that being used as a form of, like, establishing character. But it doesn't really do anything for establishing motive, causation, or really the murder itself it's the, the it's so grossly unrelated to the murder and i just uh, and okay I, i'm jumping around i'm a little scatterbrained so I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit but also his characterization of marie is just disgusting he basically without saying it calls marie a whore just because her and Marceau started a relationship the day after his mom's funeral. And it's like, first off, everyone handles grief separately. Some people handle grief physically. Like, a lot of people, they will handle grief by having a physical interaction with a loved one. That's totally common. Some people shut down. You know, it's everyone handles it differently. So him finding physical comfort in Marie, a woman that he had... And this is something that we know as a reader, so this is maybe something that that we get the benefit of, of knowing through reader omniscience. But it's it's someone that he had an established relationship with that he was never able to act on. Pure chance finds her, and the, the they rekindle this this almost romance from the past. And even in the court trial, um, they she she says that they had known each other from their time working together. But is it really so crazy to think that he found comfort in her in a time of grief? This isn't what happened. But just looking at it through the context of somebody on the outside looking in, the dude's mom just died, and the next day he tries to emotionally escape from it by doing, trying to do the things that he enjoys and finding comfort in a, in a, in a companion that he had in the past, or at least attempted to have in the past. It... I, I feel like that's not a logical leap, even though, once again, like I said, we know that that's not exactly what, what happened. Marceau is someone who just didn't really feel anything, and that was just kind of him going back to his normal routine, and they just kind of happened into each other. It was just any other Saturday, so to say. But still, if you don't know that, is it really so crazy of a leap to see him trying to do something to either A, try and hide the grief from him, distract from it, or find a way to cope with it? It's just, oh, the fact that the the fact that the prosecutor is just like this whore came in and he, after the day after he buried his mom, he had sex, like it's just some condemnation of character and it's just it's so disgusting, and I, I want this fictional lawyers that let lived eighty years ago. I want the. I want the bar to remove his license as a lawyer because this is gross and I hate it. Yeah, that uh, that is definitely true. Um, I think that was very, you know, it it does kind of, and I think that's kind of uh, intended. One of Camus' intended um, 
criticisms here of uh, you know, or his ideas that he is he's putting forth here is this idea of um, like how how kind of shallow it's superficial and and just yeah, on its face ridiculous um, a lot of these judgments of, of character uh, are by by uh, the by by the prosecutor certainly but also you know at a broader level like society because I, I think you make a, a very solid point. The only thing I would like to add specifically is he also takes issue with the movie they saw, which was a comedy. And he, he makes a whole issue out of how the fact that he saw a, they saw a, a comedy, um, which, again, it seems like, it, it, you know, it, about as like innocuous a choice as you could make, right? You know, you're feeling bad. You watch something funny. You know, that, 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 that to me... That seems like, you know, patently obvious. Like, why wouldn't you want to see that? Unless, you know, again, everybody processes things differently. But like, I would not at all uh, question that. You know, that idea of someone wanting to watch something kind of more like happy or something that would make them happy um, in that time. But he does definitely does make a big issue about the fact that they watched a a, a comedy when they went on their date. And I I'm amazed that this this never came up in the line of questioning. He never laughed at the movie, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think he did. I, 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 but then again, that they, they, I don't know. They that that doesn't really help their case, so they they probably can just elide that detail. Yeah, and I this this definitely would not help Merceau if this detail was brought up. But the only thing I really remember from their little excursion to the movie was him making a point saying that he fondled her breasts the whole time. Yeah, that that would that would definitely not help Merceau there, uh, but yeah, that that but that is that is kind of keeping with his his sort of like um, sort of physically oriented uh, view of the world. Yeah, and I, I I have to wonder if if part of this so a, a big part of it seems like both the magistrate, the chaplain, and the prosecutor is coming from a heavy Christian influence. And mm-hmm. I don't want to get into a big uh, theological debate of the rights and wrongs of religion, but I do feel like there is at least some form, and this this could just be me extrapolating something that isn't there, but I feel like there is some sort of form of, in some sects of, of Christianity, a very puritanical stance towards women and sexuality to where it's like they weren't married they had sex of course she's a whore and of course he is satan incarnate for doing this which i don't know maybe this was something that was more common in the 40s to to have that be such a widespread thing i mean you know you you can look at history in general and see that treatment of women even today is is not quite where it should be so maybe that is part of it but I feel like when people make arguments like this in condemnation towards somebody, they're using their religion as a tool for their personal ideology and not as Mm -hmm. something that you would use religion for. I don't think they're using it ethically correctly is, I guess, what I I mean by that is because it's not so much saying... I am a Christian, and this is what it means to be a Christian. 
It's them saying, I am a Christian and I am going to use that against you when I don't think that's what the point of Christianity would be in this context. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, they're using their religion as a weapon when that's not at all what the point of the religion is. Yeah, that's exactly. I think that's exactly correct. They're they're weaponizing, uh, they're weaponizing that, to and they're weaponizing any kind of sympathies that the uh, that the jury has, you know, in that in that respect. So they're like, they to kind of to use that as like not just like an appeal to authority, in in this in the sense of like, well, this you know I am a religious man and this is you know this is so therefore this is correct it's also kind of appealing to like you're well you're do you consider yourself a good person do you consider you know that kind of thing and so it's trying to get them like to if there's any questions that they may have about the case or or their how they 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 um view uh the character of result there that it's it's supposed to play on their their pre-existing beliefs and and biases i would say yeah it's i've used this term multiple times now to describe the prosecution but it just it feels so apt it's just disgusting it, it really feels yeah. like a bastardiz- bastardization of justice to a person who like i said earlier is guilty of murder there there is no question and even even his defense is not trying to do otherwise his lawyer's just like he is guilty of murder with explanation and mm-hmm. the whole point is to try and get him not to get him off, but to get him a lighter sentence because it's not something as cut and dry as cold-blooded murder, even though it, it, it kind of is. But that's obviously the, the, the defense isn't going to try and paint it as, as, as that. But I think what they're trying to do is try to like get him like manslaughter or just a lesser you know, le- sub-murder charge. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. It's, there's... I hate this prosecution so much, and the, the the witnesses they pull they pull so many from the from the nursing home because as we've said before, he's on trial for what he did in chapter one, not for what he did in chapter five or six or whatever. Whenever the murder happened, he's on trial for that because the murder doesn't matter. The murder is just the conduit in which they've used to condemn this man. But it's it's they have the can you believe that this man on the day of his mother's funeral drank coffee and smoked a cigarette can you believe that surely he deserves death like that yeah. that's a legitimate argument that they make i i can't believe it yeah that's that that's the thing it's just um and that that's i think that that's really the thing it, that um Camus is is really putting that's that's his um his critique here that he's making of society he's like it's like there is no rhyme or reason to what they're saying. They're just they're like 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 I've said before, this is a, a fact essentially an almost fact free prosecution. Like there is very little, like astonishingly little about about the facts of the case, um, about the victim. You know, and I think I, I I hasten to point that out again. It's like this idea that this this. Yes, they are they are here and they're going to convict and kill Mersault. But there is basically no recognition of the victim nor the humanity of the victim. You know, it 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 all comes down to this idea of 
as you say, you're punishing Mersault for not crying at his mother's funeral. Yeah. And I, I love how when they bring... Um, oh, God, I forgot his name again. The the Salamano? No, not Salamano. The, uh, the other neighbor, the one who the Arab was actually coming after. Uh, Raymond. Raymond, thank you. Uh, when they have Raymond come up as a witness, they put Raymond on trial for a second there. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like, you're a disgusting, horrible human being. And if he's friends with you, what does that say about him? And it's like, it's... it's it, uh, yeah. Doing guilt by association. Yeah, and, and maybe there is something to be said about, about um, Marisol's... Uh, his... his um, What's the word I'm looking for here? Him being an accomplice toward Raymond's acts towards the Arab sister, which I want to point out, unless I've missed something, I don't think we ever get any of their names, the woman or her brother. No, that's that's what I'm building at. It's like it's like this idea that they are totally dehumanized. Like they are, they oh, they do not matter to the to this to the. Uh, colonial you know white supremacist mindset of the of the court it's they are their their identities their 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 lives are are almost beside the point you know we 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 don't we don't know their names you know they don't they don't even make an effort to to bring other um witnesses the the other um the other arabs that were with um the brother earlier during that day you know they don't bring his sister, you know, who who had seen, you know, to who had seen Raymond or, or who had been a part of this case, you know, that because that that's where this this all comes back to is like this this um this quarrel between uh, the Arab sister and and Raymond and his you know his um physical mistreatment of her. It's it, like that all of that is sort of swept under the rug. So and there's, there's some other uh, there's some other um witnesses that are called to the stand um that are a, a little more that they're more pro um, or so, but they're kind of they're they're even their their testimony is kind of, it can be kind of twisted so uh they also bring to the stand um uh let's see uh, Ma, uh, Ma, uh mason or mason i probably is how you pronounce his name he was the guy that owned the beach house he says that you know uh, that Mersault was a, uh, you know, an honest and decent person. Um, uh, the Salomano, he he actually comes, makes a reappearance here as he's brought to the stand. Um, he was he was saying that uh, hardly anyone listened to Salomano either when he recalled how I'd been good to his dog and when he asked answered a question about my mother and me by saying I'd run out of things to say to Maman and that was why I put her in the home. You must understand, Salomano kept understanding, or kept saying, you must understand, but no one seemed to understand and he was ushered out. Um, also, uh, his, the, his, uh, his other friend, uh, the restaurant owner, Celeste, uh, he also testifies on his behalf, also, um, saying that he was you know they were in that that he was a he was a, a good person you know that kind of stuff this is these are all um as we as dusty mentioned before none, none of these are like exculpatory um 
testimonies, but they are they are intended to sort of counter the narrative that you know Mersault was just this kind of free floating menace, this sort of like um, just personification of of evil and and it was you know that that kind of thing. I mean, I would argue that their relevance as as witnesses are just as important as the people from the nursing home or Mr. Perez, which is to say they're not. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like if if the trial is about what kind of person, you know, Mersault is, then it's they are fitting witnesses to to like if if the if the prosecution is making the the claim that him him not crying at his mother's funeral makes him an irredeemable human being, then these other people have have uh their then their perceptions of him ought to be as or more valid because they are people that he dealt with more than just the one time, pretty much. Yeah. It's... I don't know. I, I, I don't really... I don't really know how much more I can say about the trial without repeating myself because, really, the the point of the matter is that it's just it's just a gross, like, misuse of the justice system in order to sentence a man to death. And I guess whether or not you think he deserves death is a... That's a different question in and of itself, but I, 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 whether or not he deserved death doesn't change the fact that how the jury was persuaded to come to that was inappropriate, unethical, and a bastardization of a justice system. Frankly, it was just, it was very, um just depressing and and kind of it was just like this is just so dumb and it's just depressing to watch it it work yeah i had no inclination on him getting any favorable sentencing even after the trial was over and his lawyer was talking to him and he's like yeah we i think we did really well i think that this is gonna this is gonna come in our favor i think you're gonna get a couple years of of prison or hard labor and that'll be that and even after the the defense lawyers um final argument his colleagues are just like oh my god that was amazing and they like congratulate they congratulate him or so and all that and e- even all during all that i'm just like yeah um no this is gonna go horribly for him because this this prosecutor basically just did his his bible thumping southern baptist sermon that clearly is gonna sway the the jury here and lo and behold they give him the death penalty for it it's like jesus like Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, it was just, it was, uh, yeah, I did not, I, I, I was, I was thinking that, um, while the, while the, uh, defense guy, I'm, I guess he did all that he really could do in, in this sort of like fact free zone, um, you know, but it's just, it, it I, 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 shared even at the during my first read i was like yeah there is no way there is no way that that's um that's getting um that's going anywhere you know the the prosecutors got this in the bag yeah um there was something else i just just one last thing i wanted to say that i thought was kind of interesting it was um it's the thing where the prosecutor cites mersault's intelligence 
and it says that he tries to use that as evidence of it being a premeditated murder and he, and then Rosalda's is like isn't it so strange that what would be considered a good quality in a in a in a under a normal circumstance is condemning me here essentially something like that yeah it's it's just more more of a just finger pointing at at nothing to to come to the conclusion that he's a monster anything to win a case i guess mm-hmm. got to get those uh those prosecution numbers up uh so the final chapter of the book is merso and his cell essentially trying to come to terms with his execution his pending execution and trying to and going back and forth between having hope or having no hope at getting an appeal and he's visited by the chaplain who he's been avoiding and we get this just massive theological debate between the two of them and it it's this is probably the most emotion that uh, Mersault shows in the entire book yeah there's there's so much nihilism in this in this chapter from Marceau. And there I I'd argue that there's been a lot of nihilism throughout him his character in the entire in the entire book, going back to Marie asking if he loves her and he's like, I don't, but it, it doesn't matter. It, it he has this very nihilistic look on life and uh we, we do kind of culminate into into peak nihilism uh at at the end of this novel here. But you you have this this debate where the chaplain is basically saying turn to god god will save you all 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 of these um other prisoners who have been sentenced to death all eventually turn to god this is your only way to to have some final sense of of righteousness in in your final moments and Marceau's over here being like there is no point because there 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 there's there's nothing here like i'm whether i die now tomorrow or in 20 years doesn't change the fact that I'm going to die. I will die. That is an absolute certainty. The question is only when and how, and that doesn't matter. So what's the point? Like it's it's this it's this existentialist we are nothing compared to the universe, so there is no meaning kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I think it's absurdism. I think is the the but it's it's very they're interlinked, yes. And I I do think that there definitely is some some merit of points to take away from his his findings of the whole like it's it is true that we're all going to die that that is an absolute fact of life you know to live is to die and it always comes down to win and so yeah i i i i find it kind of i find the the conclusion to be kind of opposite to him though where his whole thing is it doesn't matter because i am going to die so what's the point? I might as well just accept that death is going to come for me and just accept it regardless of when it happens and just understand the meaninglessness of life as a whole. Whereas, like, I, I, I kind of I agree and disagree to where it's like, yes, uh, you, you, you only have control of your life as much as while you have it and death can come suddenly or eventually. There really it, it is kind of just random. But I, I find that's more of a reason to try and find more of a meaning to live because of its finality, because of its somewhat meaninglessness. 
whereas he's just kind of given up and just I well I don't want to say given up. It's more like he's accepted the reality of death and is essentially just sitting down and waiting for it to come to him as opposed to doing everything he can to squeeze as much out of life as he can before it happens. He's just been like, well, it's going to happen, so come on then. Yeah. And I think this there's kind of like a an interesting there's like a uh, it's 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 not a book. Well, it is a book that he wrote. But Camus also wrote a book called um, it's uh, it's the myth of Sisyphus is what it's called. And it's uh-huh. essentially kind of it's closer to what you, what you're saying. Um, is like that. There's this is this book is Mersault's perspective of just like this sort of like um, true nihilistic acceptance of of uh, like yeah I'm gonna die at some point. It, it re- so the details really do not matter. And yeah. the, the idea about uh, that that uh, Camus wrote about in the myth of Sisyphus is is about finding meaning in in the in your absurd life and how 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 then to live a life when you realize there is no meaning. Yeah, uh, Merceau kind of has that that stereotypical um, the argument that Christian not not Christians but uh, theists I guess. Because I don't want to just say strictly Christians, because this this goes beyond that. But uh, the, the that stereotypical argument that theists have towards atheists, to where it's like, oh well, if there's no, if you don't think, if you don't believe in afterlife or heaven or hell or whatever, and you don't believe that there's a point to life, then why don't you just kill yourself? And that that's that's kind of how I feel. Not so much the why don't you kill yourself bit, but I feel like that's kind of how Merso kind of is looking at it, to where he's like, well, there's no point to life, so I might as well just wait for death. And I, 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 once again, I, I feel like that's the wrong way to look at it. Whether or not you believe in any form of religion, I, I don't think having a belief or not having a belief uh, makes a difference towards you feeling like there is any form of meaning in living life. And I, I think he kind of fell into that trap of life is meaningless, so what's the point? when my my take on it like like i said a minute ago is if there's not a point you kind of have to make your own and get the most out of this because if you look at it from an atheist standpoint um if you look at it from a christian i'll start with a christian standpoint if you look at it from a christian standpoint and i'm just gonna i'm gonna narrow this down purely to christianity because i don't want to go any more broad than that right now you have heaven and hell as an afterlife so the point as a christian is to live a righteous good christian life so that you will be rewarded with eternity in the afterlife with heaven, as opposed to you know living in, in sin and wickedness and being damned to hell. Well, there's also the the, the bit about you know having to to uh, it's not it's not just the that component, but there's also the the component of uh, ex- accepting the 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 precepts of Christianity. The you know the the God is God. Jesus is his son. Jesus made the sacrifice. You know, all like the part of the is is accepting like the precepts of the 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 story of the gospels. Yeah, yeah. So you have all of that, and that's that's your that's your reason for for that's your meaning to life is to you live life in order to achieve heaven in the afterlife. And at least the way that I I see it from an atheist standpoint, you would see it as in a, in a, in a more optimistic sense. Uh, you would see it as well. Afterlife, there is only death, and death is nothing. 
So wouldn't the the better way to look at it be if this is the only life you have to live and after it there is nothing, wouldn't it be better to just live the absolute best life you could and get everything that you can, every single personal meaning you can you can you can wring out of life before your death. That way you have achieved a somewhat not not a perfect life, but like one that you can be happy with when you die, as opposed to just the more pessimistic view of there's no meaning, therefore I'm just going to kill myself. I, I don't know. I've always kind of hated that argument, and I feel like, like I said, that's what kind of Merso kind of falls into, the trap he falls into with the whole atheistic outlook of a meaningless life. I don't know, I don't, I don't yeah. know if I got my point around, across or not, but yeah. No, I, and I think that's that's kind of why the myth of Sisyphus kind of exists. It, it came out in that same year, and it is kind of like the other perspective closer to what you're saying is like the idea of of uh the answering the question okay so if there is no meaning to life then why not kill yourself and the 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 thesis that he argues in the myth of sisyphus is like okay here's why you should not here's why despite you know life being meaningless um this is what what you know this is why you must live your life you know and it's it's closer to what you're saying there. Yeah, so I I do feel like that's another an, another tick on the character flaw of Merso that he he does fall into that. But yeah, the I don't know. I, I I feel like the chaplain also he's he's letting his self righteousness get in the way of his duty as a chaplain. Like he's he's taking it so personally, and it he almost he. It almost feels like he himself has taken up the mantle of God to tell Merso that this is how you need to be. This is how you should be. He's almost like he's kind of overstepping his his bounds as a as a chaplain to because of his ego. I feel. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that there's that. There's also the. Um... And it's it's a little bit of an ego thing, and it's a little bit of a. And I think that you, you can see that, and he when he asks, you know, why haven't you come to see me? You know, it's it's like, well, well, who are you? You know, <clears throat> who are you to me? I don't, you know, it's it's not it's not a. Um, if if it's not if it's, it, it becomes a little bit about the chaplain as you know he's like he you're you know as his status is being called into he feels his status is being called into question and his importance is being called into question by uh Mersault's, um you know uh, he's perceiving it as him slighting him <clears throat> and again this is kind of like one last reflection of that theme of Mersault not playing the game has condemned him yeah it's almost like a we have a debate between the imperfect atheist and the imperfect Christian, which is you know one of the reasons why it's a good novel. It's you know the, these two imperfect people, you know, stating their positions imperfectly. <laughs> yeah, and both of them standing on their own perceived uh, high ground of superiority of uh, or of morality. Yeah, it's off a chaplain. I have the high ground. <laughs> Don't make me proselytize to you. <laughs> Don't try it. That's that. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's it's really good. I I liked I like the um. Well, 
like is a weird word to use because it is a very dark chapter in a lot of ways. It's like this 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 condemned man, you know, really coming to to grips with the fact that you know his life will end. You know, is he is about to meet a violent end, and he's he's trapped, and you know, and and also his own view of like life being meaningless on top of that. It it, it is very heavy, so. Like is a bit of an odd word to use there, but I think it is, it's very well done and very well written. And it gives you a real, you have a really profound appreciation for, for this moment. Yeah. I just, I, 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 this is so inappropriate to the theme of the novel and the characters, but the whole time I'm, I'm sitting there, I couldn't help but think, think back to, cause I'm, I'm sitting there looking at this. I'm like, this dude is such a nihilist. And I just, I, I, I don't feel like this was appropriate, like I said, but I just think back to, you think he's going to mind? Oh, he doesn't care. He's a nihilist. Oh, that sounds exhausting. <laughs> just my, I just kept going back to the big Lebowski. Well, I, I, I think the Lebowski is kind of within this um, tradition that, that um, Camus is kind of a little bit pioneering here, is the idea of the absurd, you know. Yeah, that that is fair, and this is more of a, but this is more of a, I don't want, it, it's a psychological drama, I guess, for lack of a better term, where something like Lebowski is an absurdist comedy. Yeah. Which, side note, I saw somebody once make an argument that uh, The Big Lebowski is not a comedy, and I was just like, in, in what world? Maybe if you don't have, like, any kind of um, understanding of humor, not saying that you have to find it funny, but, like, if you you have any understanding of like like setup, you know how they they the setup of jokes or like the vocabulary of how comedy works, you you cannot deny that the infrastructure exists in the movie. Yeah, they argued know? it was like a crime drama with funny with funny moments in it. And it's just like I don't I don't think you understand genre film because no, you you got those things reversed there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to back to the topic at hand, though. Um, yeah, uh, I, I do feel like this this final chapter uh, does a good way of uh, of being a little um, a little capsule of my my thoughts of the of the novel as a whole. In that, um, I respect it, I understand it, but I didn't love it. Well, and I th- I think that's okay. You know, I don't think you have to love the book. I think I think what's more important here, and like love is lo- love <laughs> to 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 become to become uh, to become more salt here for a second. I think the love it doesn't really matter, <laughs> and it's beside the point. It's I think the point of it is you know like what what you what we gained from it. It was like this. We we were not necessarily trying to interact with it as an entertainment prod product, you know. That's that's kind of the, this sort of like ultra commodified way that a lot of people can look at um, like art. But it's it's rather it's it's supposed to be it's it's not just like that. It, although there is dressing of it and it is like engaging, but it, it's it's more. It exists as like a, a a philosophical treatise almost, you know, about about the the meaninglessness of of 
of life and about you know how uh, the the uh, how people how society uh, treats people that do not fall within the norms that kind of thing that I think that was more important than the pardon me the raw entertainment value. And I think that was that. So, and I think him move that that would if you were to ask him that would be the idea. Is like it's yes, he is trying to engage you with this story, and that's why he tells it in the form of a story. But the ideas are more important than the entertainment value. Yeah, and I, maybe love was a too strong of a word to use. Uh, I do think that it is important to read things that you may not necessarily end up liking in the end but yeah it is it's more important to 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 get the 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 message and the takeaway from it than it is to get any personal enjoyment or entertainment out of it Mm -hmm. and that that is how i feel about this about this book i i didn't i did not enjoy it but it definitely is not a book that i would have gone out of my way to read without this 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 the you know you and i doing the, the 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 book club and all that so you know once again that's that's a really big positive for doing this is it, it is taking me out of my wheelhouse where I'm not just strictly sitting in sci-fi fantasy and nerding out over over books like that constantly and actually broadening my horizon so to say but yeah this I yeah like I said I don't want to go I don't I don't I don't think it's something as simple as whether you enjoyed or didn't enjoy this book because it's kind of like you said that that isn't the point and I don't want to say that I didn't enjoy it, but I also don't want to say that I did enjoy it. It's 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 so strange. It's such a weird place to be. It's turned you into Mersal. Maybe. I'm just I'm just kidding. It's it's just the. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it is it is kind of strange. Sometimes, but sometimes that's how how you kind of walk away from books. Sometimes it's like the the what it what it leaves you with is not necessarily like a feeling of resolution of like. Oh man, what a great, what a ripping yarn! Or like, man, that story was so stupid. I I can't believe I wasted my time. It's it's to leave you with thoughts and questions, and I think that's what it does in a pretty, um, pretty, uh, pretty masterful way. Yeah, it's certainly no Leviathan wakes, but at the same time, it's also no Twilight. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I think I think that is a correct assessment of the book. Yeah. So, um, final thoughts, Daniel? Um, I, you know, I, I thought, I, you know, I, I, I liked this book. I really enjoyed it uh, both times I've read it. Um, I think the ideas that it presents are very, um, salient even today. I think, you know, you know, just when you look at the way, um, society treats, you know, just, just watch, you know, the how and why people are, are are demonized and you will you will realize the the truth a lot of of a lot of this novel you know like to to pull an example from history really quick you know nixon got got caught up in in the watergate scandal right but to my thinking that was maybe the least of his of his crimes you know that he was not he was not reviled because of his you know going behind the behind the back of the the current u.s administration the johnson administration to sabotage the peace talks you know in the lead up to the uh to the to the election it wasn't uh his expansion of the war into like 
and to broadening the Vietnam War. It was it was this perceived impropriety of this bungled, um, you know, the bungled uh, burglary that really didn't seem to gain him any real actionable intelligence that that really cost him, you know, that's this is what led people to turn on him. So it's just it's just and and and, and I'm and in re- more recent times you could uh, you could apply this. Um, I mean, don't don't forget that initially um, the Bush administration was was very popular because they knew that that I mean R- Donald Rumsfeld was on the 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 people's like they the, they they thought he was they thought it was like this big cool charismatic nice guy you know, because of how he played the game you know he he fit in with the societal norms you know it, it was so his his crimes you know you know be abetting the uh the iraq war you know perhaps the greatest crime of the 21st century um you know that it wasn't until much later when society had shifted on that point that that actually became something that people talked about but until then he was you know he and the rest of the bush administration were very popular I mean, in 2002, People magazine named Donald Rumsfeld as one of the sexiest men alive. I mean, that's that's just crazy if you think about it. So I, that's just kind of something I would I would uh, encourage readers and I guess listeners of this podcast to take away is like like you, to see how fitting in to the societal norms will will save you. And irrespective of the facts, but deviating from societal norms is what will condemn you. Um, that's that's my, one of my big takeaways here. Um, I enjoyed the book. I highly encourage people who have not read the book to read the book. Or if you have read the book and it's been a while to reread the book like I have. Um, it's very good. And uh, I, I enjoyed our discussion. The Sad Boys Book Club is not sponsored by George Soros or the Democratic National Convention. Yeah, I, I think you definitely uh, you definitely hit it pretty pretty hard on the head there with with this book. Um, I I guess I'm a little more lukewarm toward it than you, at least as a whole. I like I said, I I understand it and I respect it, and I do think it is important. I think that. Um, I, I felt like I think I even said this in the last episode that I might I might need part two to really kind of figure out this book because going off of just part one really didn't feel complete and I mean obviously of course but yeah I do think the context of part two really did help kind of shape this this book for me um, as you know at this point uh, I'm gonna throw a, a number rating on it but this one is is kind of hard for me. So I, I I don't like doing half ratings personally. I feel like a book is either you know a six, a seven, eight, a nine, or a ten. I don't like these point fives personally because how, how do you <laughs> quantify that? But I, I find myself really stuck between a six and a seven on this book. Which, if you remember, I did give House of Leaves a seven as well. And <laughs> with that book, there was a lot of enjoyment I could pull out of it which I don't think is necessarily relevant in comparison to this one, but I just, I feel like <laughs> it, that it is, it is a distinction worth pointing out that I did have a lot of the house of leaves that I had a lot of enjoyment in, but there was also similarly a lot of things that I hated in it. So it did kind of, it did hurt it for me in, in that respect. So 
I don't know. With this, I, I'm really torn between a 6 and a 7. I think I'm going to round up and give it a 7 out of 10 as a whole. I think it deserves it based on the strength of the ideas. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of that's kind of why I, I'm struggling so much between those two is because the the ideas it, it posits and the, the, the meaning that you can pull from it is very, very well done. It's very well written, very... Well, I guess very well translated would be the way to put it because we're not reading it in its original language. So credit to um, oh god, what's his name? I don't have. Is it Matt Walsh? Matthew Ward. Matthew Ward. Um, so credit credit to to Matthew Ward for his translation because I I can only assume that it holds Camus' original intent in it. At least. That's how I feel it does through what I've been able to take from it. So, yeah, I feel like it, it did do a really great job in getting a point across the point that Camus was trying to make in a story that may not necessarily have been the most interesting being told, at least at face value. So I, I think I do want to leave it at a 7 for me. But at the same time, it is something that I would recommend if you want to have a deeper look into more what's not really uncomfortable but um unor yeah, some more like unorthodox to- themes or topics so yeah i don't know i i feel like i can't really come to a final conclusion just which feels kind of apt given that the book itself doesn't really come to a final conclusion we're just kind of left waiting so to say oh that's that's fair you know i i uh i think i think that's that is kind of how you're supposed to feel walking away is like this sort of unsettled ambiguity yeah i think that uh i think that wraps up the stranger for us well thank you everybody for listening um i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've uh gain something from this uh, I really enjoyed the book and um, I guess we'll see you next time this has been Daniel and I'm Dusty and this has been another episode of the Sad Boys Book Club thank you everyone we'll see you next time take care <laughs>